Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, welcome to another Motorsport Magazine podcast. Uh, it's November, and that means I'm joined by Matt Oxley, our MotoGP journalist, and Freddie Spencer. So we're going to look back on the 2018 season of MotoGP. We've just been testing. Well, we haven't just been testing, but the grid's been testing. Uh, so what we'll try and do is definitely look back on the MotoGP season. Um, inevitably, we'll look ahead to 2019, but we can, we'll do that again probably in March, no doubt. And... Uh, actually, keep an eye on the website in the next few months, few weeks. Hopefully, you'll see somewhere where you may join us to look ahead to the MotoGP season as well. So do keep an eye on that. It'll be in London. There are a lot of TBCs for this event that we're trying to put together for you all. Uh, but you'll be involved, so do keep an eye on that. Um, hopefully, Freddie. Hopefully, Matt as well. But first, let's look back over 2018. I was looking back this morning about our preview podcast. So seven, eight months ago now, and you both said Mark Marquez would win it, so that's what we pay you for. <laughs> yeah, bat the thousand so far, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah. so he got nine wins. Mm. That's his most dominant season since 2014. Where does this championship win rate for you guys? Well, it, it obviously is a another great championship that, that Mark put together. If you look at in the way that I, I guess maybe the way that I would rate it, or or one way would be on really the level that his bike was, and I think it's probably safe to say that it. And you, and Cal Crutchlow talked about it. You could even see from Franco Morbidelli, as as Matt and I were just discussing. We'll get in that in a minute, obviously, when we talk about two nineteen testing. But um, the difficulty of riding, riding the Honda, and that difficulty is is really, yeah, I would say, probably put it down to the margin of forgiveness that the bike has, and to to push it to the edge and 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 if it go you go a little bit beyond, there's a penalty. It, there's not a lot of of uh, forgiveness in that range of letting you get away with things, and so. But Marcus has proven that. He is probably, without question, the most gifted when it comes to anticipating what a motorcycle does. And, and it's the reason why he can save the crashes he does. And it's the reason why he can recover from situations. The other thing, Matt that, and Jack, that I, I think Mark, that Mark is so good at is adapting to situations. And, I mean, he, we, we saw that time and time again this year where he is able to immediately make adjustments. And it made me think about, every time I see that real quick, it made me think about when, when I was a kid. And, and you, as natural, I would go back and think of my own riding when you see something or I'm analyzing it and what Mark is doing or any rider is doing. And, and I've often said that 
growing up dirt tracking, when conditions change from the last, you get off a bike, a race, and by the time you get back on the track, it's completely different. And you literally, you got 12 laps is all the race is. And you got the first corner to be adapted to the new conditions. That's it. If not, you're going backwards. And that's what Matt Mark does. He rides and, dirt track. And that's exactly, well, exactly. that's one of the reasons he does it. And motocross as well. Because exactly. he says every, every time, exactly. every lap, the track's different. So you, you're constantly adjusting your lines, your forces you put into the bike, every single lap. And it, I remember the first time he raced a MotoGP bike in the rain was Le Mans 2013. On the eighth lap, he was the fastest guy on the track. <laughs> you know, and I, I, I was just spellbound. Couldn't believe it. I mean, how, how do you do that? But it, because because right. he just has that ability to whatever the conditions are doing, mm -hmm. he he just has that feel from doing that every day exactly, of his life. Exactly. And and so that that ability to adapt, combined with his his quickness of how he reacts to situations. That's what impressed me when I saw him dirt tracking as a dirt tracker myself my entire life is you know someone is good by the way that they, how quick they move and anticipate and they move in unison with the motorcycle because a dirt track bike moves so quickly. If you don't stay on top of it, you're behind, you're not going to be good at it. But Mark can do that. And so that, that's, that, to me, this season, I saw so many times him doing that, his ability to recover and, and, and maximize his situation. I mean, you look, you look at, you know, he won more races than anybody else. He won the championship. He helped Honda win the team's championship, uh, the constructors' championship. He helped, helped Repsol Honda win the team's world championship. And he crashed more than anybody else. Uh, you know what I mean? 23 crashes through the 19 rounds. And and as we say, you know, the, the Honda has a certain way of achieving its lap time. Yes. You know, they build a bike to be the fastest bike. And with Marquez on it, it is. Yes. You know, and, and he fell off 19 times, uh, sorry, 23 times, only twice in a race. Yes. So right. there you go. So that, generally, that, generally when yeah. he crashes, That's right. they're not accidents. They're actually grip tests. Yeah, He's actually just seeing how far he can get. And the, and the thing about the Honda, because it was kind of built for the Bridgestones to use the amazing grip of the Bridgestone front into corners. It was built to use that. And the, with the Michelin, it's very different. You mm -hmm. cannot put that much force through that front tire. So they have to run the hard tire mm. all the time. Every single race, maybe one or two, I don't know, I'm pretty sure every single race this year, uh, Marquez had to run the front tire. And, and as very will know, a front tire, a hard, a hard tire, hard front tire gives you much less feedback yes when it, it when a soft when you have a soft tire when it starts to lose grip it kind of smears a bit mm -hmm. doesn't it you know this the compound it starts to smear across the track and you can feel it yes with a hard tire it's going it let's go it, it goes yeah. and because mark knows he's going to have to race the hard tire he has to practice on the hard tire and so he's always pushing it to that limit to see how it's going to react mm -hmm. before it finally lets go that's mm -hmm. why he crashes a lot and that's why honda their biggest thing right now um is you know they've got the engine sorted they've got you know the big bang engine in there and everything reverse crankshaft they've got all that sorted the chassis works very well but they need to sort that so that's what they're working on now the front end yes and Jerez yesterday or the day before um yeah, uh, sorry, Valencia. Yeah. I keep saying that. <laughs> next week. Uh, yeah, Valencia. <laughs> yeah. Next week. Um, he did the whole day on the medium front. 
So they found yeah. something. But I, I know Bradle had been testing Olin's forks, parts, and different stuff yeah. to the front of the bike. You know, they don't want to change the balance of the bike because they'll lose its advantages. Yeah. So they, they're trying to mm. get rid of the disadvantages without losing the advantages. So if they can do that, then, you know, he will, f- well, hopefully fall off a lot less last yes. uh, next year. Because, you know, he with his shoulder, we've got to a point now where he's in quite a bit of trouble. You yes. know, he's, the last six races, he had to race with that shoulder very heavily strapped. Yeah. And, and um, you could see in his crashes the last weekend that every time the airbag inflated, the shoulder was in the wrong spot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and and he, he was in pain. Did, all did the, you ever dislocate your shoulder, Freddie? I never did. But I right. know I, I, Eddie Lawson, I know, did. Eddie had a lot yeah. of problems with because, his Because, I mean, shoulder. it's hurts it is i, I, I mean, broke my collarbone a few times but i when I he crashed that. in when marquez crashed in qualifying on saturday at valencia um i ran it back on the you know obviously on the time thing it was from him losing the front at turn four obviously the first right-hander it's front's cold it's a hard tire away he goes um to him getting back to the pits with a dislocated shoulder going into the team truck to have it pop back in and then getting back out on his spare bike, six minutes, 13 seconds. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you just, I mean, how do you deal with that? Yeah. With a guy, and, and, and that's his mental strength and his physical strength. And th- just quickly, the, 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 other, the other, so the th- to me, the three, his three really amazing moments were his recovery from that Valencia crash, his recovery from the Mizano crash when he went out and, and um, and also, after you got beaten by Lorenzo at Red Bull Ring, where Red Bull Ring kind of, Lorenzo kind of did a Marquez on him, didn't he? Really, really pulled a real kind of um, block pass on him, um, blah, blah, blah. At the end of the race, they're in the kind of ante room before they go on the podium. And, and Marquez is just laughing and joking with Lorenzo and sort of saying, oh, when you came past me, I was nearly losing control and I was sliding here and there. How do you d- beat someone? You know, that Lorenzo must have gone, what do I have to do to screw this guy up? You know, you know what I mean? So that he's just incredibly strong. On that same point, from Lorenzo's point of view, was beating Marquez then really important ahead of next year? From a mindset point of view, knowing that I can beat Marquez at not his own game, but well, his own tricks. That's actually, you know, Jorge and Mark have battled quite a few times. You go back to that. The pass at Silverstone a few years ago, what was that, in 14? Yeah. I believe it was. Or 13 maybe or 13. I believe it was 13. Which is actually the day he dislocated his shoulder the yeah. first time. And so I think that, that for Mark, as, as Matt is saying, he has a certain independence that comes from, oh, he's won, you know, obviously five championships out of the last six years. He has a tremendous amount of belief in what he can do with the motorcycle, belief in his ability to recover and and move on and not make the same mistake in the race or, or have the same issue. So there's a, there's a lot of things. I think for Jorge that his – that day, you know, beating Mark and for him, all the struggles he had with Ducati and then getting – getting in, in a position to win some races. It was more important for, for Jorge to do that. I'm not so sure the long term, you know, there's really any any benefits or any lack of benefit one way or the other because Jorge is a champion himself and, and uh so I think that, that it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. 
you know, obviously being on the same team and and uh, what's going to happen. But yep. you know, I think I think for Jorge, the most important thing was winning on the Ducati. It yes. didn't matter who it was, and 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 getting a, at least two wins. Is that you know, um, he did. him winning on a on a Ducati? Something Rossi can do again. Lorenzo Rossi, there's that. There's what definitely an aspect of that there that uh, that you know they're all trying to beat each other's records yeah. or take away each other's achievements, not take away their achievements, but to better their achievements and so on. That you know that's how you drive yourself, isn't it? You you need to have goals and targets, don't you? You know, and some of them have come from within, some of them come from without. You know, and um, uh, yeah, I think I think that's one of the reasons why Jorge was so mad after Aragon after he, you know, because I think there he knew he had a very good chance of beating Mark again and he fell off at the first corner and you know you can argue why but he fell off at the first corner and, and there's that old racing phrase isn't there you can't win a race at the first corner right. but you can lose a race at the mm. first corner and I think I think to me that was why he was so mad there because he knew with that that speed of that Ducati down that long back straight yeah you know which is to the to the last corner yeah you know, exactly he had it's a good a if he could scenario, just if he could just exactly. stay with Mark all through the race yeah. and on that last lap, you know yeah, um, yeah. If and buts though, right? Yeah. You know, yes and, and buts. but but he was he was frustrated and and a lot of times that frustration is directed at someone else. But he knows, you know, that he's basically he's the rider on the bike, yeah. and I mean to have that happen in the first corner. And to, at first, and it still, I still believe there was some. It was, it was definitely a little bit off throttle. It just, he was, he was wide, and and um, so you know, it, some of that frustration was, I was directed at himself too. You know, for for something like that happening. How impressive is it that he was able to win on that bike, as it had to adapt so much through the year. Lorenzo to go from a bike he couldn't he could, he couldn't win at all couldn't get to the front and then at the end he was well one of the class of the it's th- interesting and and Matt uh, uh, certainly can he probably can talk even more because he with the riders a little bit but a little bit I've read there was a big change between the seventeen Ducati and eighteen Ducati Jack Miller talked about that um, that it was it was unbelievable the difference and the 19 is basically just a tweaked version of the 18 but it sounds like that that's mainly all of the issues that they had before were improved with the 18 bike um, yeah, I think, and I think that is, is probably what made as much of a difference and why he was able to be you know then when you struggle um, and, and, and we've talked about it before oh, he's, he's an emotional rider he's an emotional person and then so the struggles and then sometimes it takes also a little time to and i guess they made a couple more changes but but to be back in that position to to believe you can do it yeah i think he went to ducati at the right time um whereas rossi obviously didn't um and the bike has just been getting better and better and better and they've been like we're just saying with the honda minimizing their disadvantages without uh destroying their advantages um and Jorge also, cha- I mean, I'm very impressed by the way he changed as a rider, you know, because we saw him on the MR, he won in a very particular way. He generally got out front on Bridgestones and just disappeared. That's what he did. And he rode in a very particular way, 
incredibly smooth, you know, mm. and, and all about carrying corner speed. and And then on the Ducati, he's worked out that the only way you can get it steered through the corner is use the rear brake on corner entry, which is to get the thing, you know, it's basically skidding it yes. into the corner in a very, you know, minimal yes. kind of way. But so to, to do that, he's completely changed his riding style and also realizing that with the Ducati, the more you lean it in the middle of the corner, the slower it goes. Yeah, the less you it know, goes. So, so, yeah. so he's had to completely rewrite his whole, you know, he took him a year to work that out, comparing his data to uh, Divisioso and um, Petrucci. He said, well, I'm leaving, leading, using more lean angle through the corner. I should be going faster, but I'm going slower. And, and eventually he got to work that out. So he's going into from, a, from a very flowing corner speed style on the Yamaha to a more kind of stop and turn on the Ducati, which is what the Ducati wants. Yes. You know? And that's what Divisioso is very good at doing. Well, the, it, that's exactly right, Matt, because because of before with that high corner speed, the only way you can make the rate is la lean angle. And, and he, you put the bike in that for a particular reason. But with the Ducati, because of the way that it didn't turn and by and basically and Mark does and I've talked about this before Mark the way that he helps rotate the Honda into a corner by oh basically as he's leaning the bike in it's above the grip grip uh, ability of the bike so then that way as he gets to a certain point it starts to actually the rear of the bike starts to rotate and the reason why that is is you with a, with a bike that won't steer Instead of it having to turn this much of an arc, if you shallow that out, then it, it works better because it it will still turn. The Ducati, and I've ridden bikes like, like the Ducati was, to where you would think that by applying lean angle, or you would think even by slowing the speed down, that it would help it turn. But the only thing that, that would allow that is reducing the speed so much to where it turns, where you're losing time, and and the fact you're losing one of its strengths, which is acceleration, you know, and so you he had as you said he had to work that out, but it it's it's interesting. The other thing is with with Jorge that I, I noticed it may have been the last thing they got to was with the comfort level on the bike. Remember he talked about and everybody out there probably remembers this where he would he would get up front and then he would basically wear himself down and because of the ergonomics he was so much load on his arms um that he was losing you know his endurance basically and they fixed that and it was the next race remember yeah exactly the the the, 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 the sort of yeah. fat fuel tank i mean it, it's actually incorrect to call it a fuel tank because that's not really the fuel tank the fuel tank now is under that's there right. isn't it but it, it is we'll call it, it the fuel tank it's, right um and he kind of they stuck this big yeah. i mean it looked horrible yeah <laughs> it kind of looked like they made it out of plasticine or something and it was kind of stuck on the back of the tank and off mm. he went and won you know yeah and, and exactly but I mean, they'd been working to that for a while, yes, I think. And, that's and, you know, what but I mean. even in yeah. Austria, I think they were sort of three three D printing different ergonomic pl- bits at, at Bologna and, and and whizzing them out yes. to the race. You know, yeah. so um, I think Ducati have learned an awful lot from yeah. him, and I think Divisioso learned quite a lot from him. Once once Lorenzo was winning, Divisioso then started looking at his data, and he'd never done that. He didn't bother until he was beating him. Sure. Why would you? You know. Right. Um, so I think Divisioso would then, because that's got such different, could also learn some things from from Lorenzo that he'd never have learned. So it'll be interesting. Mm. The, the the whole Divisioso 
staying there and Lorenzo leaving Ducati and going to Honda, you know, how much is that going to damage Ducati and how much is it going to help Honda? You know, so it's one of those sort of things when a top rider leaves a top factory and goes to another top factory, not, not only does he help the top factory that he's going to, he also damages the top factory that he's leaving, you know, which is obviously why you try and take sure. the rider away from the good factory. You know? sure. so, so there's so many interesting kind of dynamics going on now and into next season. One of the questions we've had uh, from someone called Tanush who sent in 10 questions, which made my life quite easy today. <laughs> um, was the GP18 truly the class of the field or was the latest version of the Honda made to fit Mark like a glove, uh, which has then made the bike appear tough to tame for the others? I think... Divisio uh, won four races on the Ducati. Uh, Lorenzo won three. Mark won eight or nine on the Honda, Crutchlow won one. So, so that probably answers that question, I'd say. I think the uh, Ducati was probably more friendly, but, you know, it didn't win the championship. Um, uh, the, the interesting thing about this year's bike is something that's only kind of become no, known to m most of us quite recently is, you know, they've all been using slick shift gearboxes since... 2011, 2012, 2013, which make the gear changes much more smooth. That's that's a good thing for speed, but also unsettles the bike less coming out of corners. So you can actually shift gear when you're still lent over. So you can shift gear at the correct point rather than having to do it too soon or too. Uh, Ducati have now got a super slick shift gearbox, which is even smoother than the other one, and none of the others have got this yet. And and it's it's all about reducing tire temperature because the, the, you know the Michelin's are so sensitive to how you use them. You know if you can get if you use them right, you're there. If you use them wrong, you're not. You know and and obviously every you've got 270 horsepower. Every time you engage gear, that's a big old kick to the tire, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, so you're going to get heat spikes every time you shift gear. You're going to get a heat spike and going down, mm -hmm. I guess as well. Mm -hmm. So they've got this. They've taken another step forward on the others, and they. I think that's one reason they can keep the rear tyre in better condition than a lot of the others. Um, so, yeah, I, I think... And Divizioso had a lot of problems. I don't know when they introduced that, you see, because Divizioso had a lot of trouble with tyre life in, early in the season, and then they got it sorted. So what, I, I yes. don't know when yeah. they introduced that. It'd well, be interesting and we know that Hori could run the soft tyre and he won races on it using yeah. it. So yeah. um, we know that that is a huge advantage if you can do that. Exactly, I, yeah. And that is... Uh, something yeah. that benefited him, and, well, he, again, and he obviously they, he had the technology, they had some tools to work with that helped allow that happen. Yeah. And and if he might have, I think he moved to Ducati at a very good time. He might also be moving to Honda at a really good time. You mm. know, I mean, and this is what it's all about, isn't sure it? Sure, it? timing you, you, is everything. You choose your yeah. moments, you know, yeah, and you course. see that bike is there now, but you can see that they're sure the guys working on them know what they're doing, yeah. and you can see the direction they're going in. Well, and, and as we said, as we were talking earlier about with Mark, with the Ducati, one thing that's impressive about it is the versatility. You have riders of different um, riding styles, different abilities, that it seems to help them bring the best out of them. And, and that's, that's a sign of a well-designed motorcycle, at least a good foundation. And that would be certainly the seven, uh, 16... It was uh, what? Who the sixteen? The sixteen was when they started winning. No, again. this when, year. The, the, oh, I see. Uh, 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 I know that they run. The, uh, you know, people like Abraham, I think, had a sixteen, and then and then went up to seventeen. When when Rabat right. got hurt and other things happened, some people went up to uh, 
But what you were talking about, Miller as well, is on a GP19 yes. for next year. Yes. He was on a GP715 last year. Exactly. And he made that S- jump. GP17. That's right. And he, so he's jumped two years, two years and he just cannot believe. I know. I know. So, he I mean, said Ducati, it's not even the same. Exactly. Uh, Gigi Delinia is a very clever Absolutely. guy. Absolutely. And, and he s- really is. And so I would say that overall, you would have to give them the give Ducati uh, the nod in, in a bike that certainly fits the most different personalities, riders' personalities, and and allows the riders to have confidence in being able to, to push it. Because the reality is, is to push a bike to its limit um, is you have to trust what it's going to do, and certainly to do it consistently, not just for one lap, but consistently. And you you saw it that, that this year, um, what with with as we were talking about with Mark, um, he could certainly get the most out of it, but he had to try some things, and some and some mistakes were made, some crashes happened because of of trying to figure out where that limit is, and uh, that that I think as, as as Matt said is is the one area that I would be rest assured that Honda is working on is try to k- help keep Mark off the ground. Or at least where he won't feel like that he has to 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 take those risks to find out where that edge is. Yeah. You know. We have a question actually from Peter Spires about how Marquez and Alonso uh, Lorenzo's vastly different styles will work next year. Would um, Honda change the bike to suit Lorenzo so that it works for Lorenzo? Hmm. I don't know. I can tell you up front that certainly Mark is the world champion and he is, um, you know, the rider that that's there. And and that that would be a given where they do everything they can to try to make sure that Jorge, because especially he's come from winning on the Ducati. The last thing the world Honda wants is for him to not be successful on the Honda. And 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 I also think that, you know, him coming from the Ducati when Ducati is good that's a benefit too because he'll bring that information with him and and will help the Honda engineers and the team understand where their bike is is weaker specifically they already know but specifically where and and where that they need to improve that and um you know but they they don't have anything I mean they they won the world championship and ultimately that's what matters and and so you know, I think I think it's it's going to be interesting. Um, and you know, Horry said himself. You know, he thanked Mark for not putting the the stops on. The, you know that situation. And, and that's another thing about again going just briefly about Mark's. Uh, you know, his str- strength, mental strength, that he didn't block that, and he's yeah. already said that there will be no excuses. You know, if he beats me, he's beaten me. I'm on the same bike. Yeah. But I, I mean, and going back to Lorenzo. The, the bike will still be the RC213V, but for sure, you know, they will have tiny differences in the setup and, and sometimes Crutchlow and Pedroza and Marquez, they some, sometimes use slightly different frames, but they, the, the differences were tiny, just tuned to their kind of styles or whatever. So, so there will be some differences, um, but it's going to be just amazing watching those two. To me, it's the kind of center Prost thing. You know, you've got the two greatest riders in the in the top team, and and you know that that's never that's never happened in MotoGP before, never that you've had t- 
two guys that have won the last seven championships between them in the same team. So that's a pretty special... And, and you know, we everyone still talks about Senna and Prost, don't yeah, they? Sure. You know, 30 years on. And I think, oh, well, I hope that we'll still be talking about Marquez Lorenzo 30 years on. I, I, and, and Matt, there'd be no reason why that couldn't happen, you know, and that's why I think Jorge did this challenge because... As we've seen on on a given day, Horry doesn't back down, you know, from Mark, and and he's taken all the pressure that Mark puts on him, and and vice versa. And so I think I think they could have some great battles. Um, and because I, I remember, you know, a couple of years ago we were talking about um, Maverick. You know, one of the things him coming to the Yamal, I was looking forward to seeing the battles between Mark and Maverick because that goes back many years. Mm, yeah. I talked to Laura Spuzz and. And they were talking about that when they were 10, 11 years old, they would battle. And, and uh, that Maverick was actually, a lot of times, would come out on top on that. And, and so I thought it would have been fascinating. Well, this is different in, in a similar way. But like you said, they've won the last seven world championships. And so you would expect that great champions like that, they, when they get in battle, it's at a high level where it just basically is down to the end. And, and really, usually no mistakes are made. And uh, so it'll be, it should be exciting. If you're Dovey, do you look at this and think, you know, I fin- finished second this year, second year in a row. Is it a bigger opportunity? Because you think Marquez and Lorenzo could not necessarily take each other out, but they'll be focusing on each other so much that Davizioso can just smoothly work his way. Davizioso is, is probably the kind of, um, I would, I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, to, to, to exist at that level, you have to be very, very, very intelligent. You know, they're not just talented riders. They're very, very bright. They've got to think about a million different things. And um, But I think Divizioso is probably the most kind of thoughtful of them, and him and his crew chief, Alberto. You know, the way they approach... He, he has a very specific way of going about fixing problems. You know, he never tries to ride around a problem. That's just not Divizioso. He he will sit and, and they will get it right, you know, and and... and one of the big reasons why he's been so strong over the last year or two is time management, you know, and that's a complete, you know, that's kind of adjusting, you know, it's, you're racing at the same time as, I mean, they're all, they've all got to manage the tyres now, but, um, which I find fascinating. Um, but, you know, he is very, very good at it. And, and so he's, he's just going to do whatever he can to win. You know, I think he probably knows that in some ways he can't beat those guys just flat out, but he'll try and outthink them. Well, and he showed that we we talked about, and and he's talked about the change from his mental approach over the last couple of years. Because remember, he won one race in his first seven years, and then and then he and boom, now he's all of a sudden made uh, these these huge strides in his Sunday afternoon performance. And and I, you know, watching him on on Sunday, the way he just methodically went about being in the race, controlling the race, he never seemed out of control he never seemed where he was close to crashing everyone else was opposite and we saw that i mean from mark on everyone was just barely hanging on and 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 they you know you almost could feel that they were on the edge where doby wasn't and he does that in any any conditions and so i think it would be a mistake you know for for them or anyone to to dismiss him or or to think that that he couldn't have a, a chance of of um, winning the world championship because he has been so close. He knows exactly 
what he needs to do and and I think I think Mark and and Jorge will certainly understand that and and uh will be aware of 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 what he can do so um you know I th- I think that that also the the one thing about Dovey that I've I've said is is when you've not struggled but when it when you've been there and it's taken kind of a long time to get in the position he's in he really never takes that for granted and so I think he will always be on top of as you said he knows you know what he needs to do and talking about tire management real quick one of the things I'd always work on always would run a soft tire I could run a soft tire is the the key to 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 being able to to do that is your awareness understanding exactly what actually overheats the tires not the spinning it's the load and the movement and i would literally know on every corner of every lap the load factor where i was every single moment yeah right here right and 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 i could like i said run run a soft tire and it was it was good at the end of the race you know and and because because my preventative measures and my my and so I see Dovey's like you know, and that's that's where, as you said, he may not be as good as talented, but he is completely prepared, and that's that wins world championships too, not just ability. Was you know was last last season twenty seventeen his chance though rather than twenty eighteen because it seems like this year he kind of they they they, they, they they did various things wrong at the beginning of the season Michelin slightly changed went softer on some of the compounds so you know they kept running out of tyre and they were like what's going on because I think Michelin kind of said tyres are the same basically and it took them a while to work that out and they kept changing between different aero sets um, which obviously doesn't only change the setup of the bike changes the way you need to ride the bike and and eventually they were like you know what are we doing we need to just come up with one aero set and just stick with that and then we'll know where we are. And, and, and that was kind of mid-season. And already by then, the championship was gone. But you look at him from Bruno. Um, you know, Bruno, he... You know, I think he'd scored one win up until Germany and one podium. And then Czech Republic first, Austria sec- uh, third, Mizano first, Aragon second, Thailand second, uh, Japan, where he crashed, so I forget that one, Australia third. Valencia won, you know. So once they'd got it fixed, if if I don't know, if you add up the championship points from there, you know, he he might be on top. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Before we move on to Yamaha, we've barely spoken about half an hour in. Is somehow it seems strange not to have spoken about Yamaha. <laughs> but uh, Jake Yo has asked back on Lorenzo. Um, please could you explain the differences between the Ducati, Honda, and Yamaha, and why they do or don't suit Jorge, Jorge Lorenzo's style? Just in, is there a quick way of explaining that? Or? Uh, well, I, th- I think the Yamaha is his natural style. It's a 250 style. He changed his... Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, the Yamaha is his natural style because he came from 250. It's all corner speed. The Ducati, he's learned a completely different style, which is kind of getting it a bit sideways and stopping it and turning it and coming out. So I don't think you'll have a, a problem at all with the Honda. If Pedroza could ride the Honda, then Lorenzo could ride the Honda. You know, I just people who say you'll never win on the Honda... I, I would yeah, be I very, yeah. very surprised yeah. if he doesn't win on the Honda. Yeah, I, I would, cannot and, see that. And I, and I think, I think, as we were talking about, many times the success jab is the right time that you go to a certain situation. Exactly. exactly. And I, and I, and I think that the Honda 
is beginning to make the changes and making the, the, the strides. And from what I understand and, and just watching even Mark a little bit at the Valencia test and a couple of clips I saw with the new bike, um, I think I think that that he'll he'll make that adjustment and and but well, as Matt said the Yamaha the Yamaha is certainly uh, the characteristic bike you can it allows you to carry more corner speed and and the fact that it it will continue to to what we call you know tighten up the line uh, in the corner getting the bike in the right position to begin to accelerate the other thing that was critical for for Hori style was once he did begin to accelerate is that the bike would hold its line until as you're taking away lean angle um and that's one thing that ducati suffered from is is once it was in the corner is is the bike turning but also once you begin to accelerate one to push front it's why you got to keep to get the bike pointed in the right direction and uh so it'd be it'd be interesting uh i think that the the things he had the changes he had to make on the ducati are going to make it help him be successful in the honda hey everyone i've been on the go recently phoenix kansas city chicago if you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home you have an airbnb Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash post. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay. Okay, Yamaha. <laughs> Where'd you start? Yamaha. Well, um, I think Lynn Jarvis uh, said at Valencia that, you know, finally kind of admitted it that their problems go back two years, um, which means 2016, which is when the Michelins and the Control Unified software came in. And if you look at the results, Yamaha won five of the first half of the races of 2016, as everybody was trying to sort out the software and the tyres. They've won six since in the two and a half years since. So as soon as Honda and Ducati had kind of got the Michelins and the, and the software sorted out, they were just off. And, and Yamaha, for no doubt many, many, many different reasons, just did not adapt. They either underestimated the, the, the changes required or they made the wrong changes, who knows what. But, you know, they spent... 2016, you know, they'd won six races by the end of the year. They won five to start off with and one right at the end of the year. So everybody's like, well, you know. And then obviously 2017, it was like, oh my God, you know, after Vinales has had those wins with the softer front tyre. But, um, you know, for the last two years, Rossi and Vinales have been cl- complaining almost exclusively about electronics. And only about four, five, six races ago, I think it was Austria when Rossi first mentioned it, was like, hang on, <laughs> it actually might be the engine, you know. So, um, and, and, you know, I think that was the kind of turning point. Yeah. 
when they were like, okay, you know, we because you can only you can't create grip with electronics. You 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 create grip mechanically, either through the engine or the chassis. Well, and then yeah, it, that's exactly right, man. Well, that's exactly right. The other the other thing is with electronics, is that it can be limiting. You know, and I think that's, they were putting themselves, because then immediately they started complaining about no acceleration. Well, no, not if not, not if you're having to have the electronics trying to help create grip for you. Of course, you're going to, it's going to kill the acceleration. And, and the other thing that is, that a lot of people here as the writers talk about is corner entry, uh, the bike not stopping. And that also creates an issue of the bike then being out of position and you have to then get the bike to slow down at a certain point to get it pointed well then you you do kill your corner speed and it affects your direction change and all these things then changes the place to where you begin to accelerate which in itself creates a lack of acceleration because if you're getting on the throttle later then it, yeah, the bike, everybody's getting you off the corner. And then what do you do? You you then try to either get more power and then you create a grip issue. So it's a, it's a constantly, you know, you're, you're, you're chasing your tail in that situation as, as yeah, the old. It would sort of seem to be um, a lack of crankshaft inertia, something Freddie has dealt with a lot riding the NR500 and so on. Um, you know, so the engine's spinning up very quickly. So you get wheel spin, and, and when you shut the throttle, it shuts down very quickly, so the, the tire, rear tire will lock. This didn't used to be such a problem, because you have, when you had factory electronics, you could tune that out with the engine braking system, and also when you had Bridgestones, they did all the braking on the front, because with the Bridgestone, fr the Bridgestone front was much better than the Bridgestone rear. So they did all the braking on the front, and it's the opposite with the, with the Michelin. The, the Michelin rear is better than the Michelin That's front. That's always so, been the case. Yeah. So, so they, the riders, the clever ones have worked, and, and the Yamaha, again, have taken a yeah. long time to work that out, that you need the rear tyre mm. to help you stop the bike. Yeah. And when you shut the throttle and it's, and it's skidding the rear tyre, or you're having to mess about with the electronics to stop that, then you're losing time and you, mm -hmm. you, you're, you're taking longer to stop the bike. You're missing your apex. Yes. You, you, well, you're slowing down your speed into the corner. That's right. So you can't use the corner speed, which is what the Yamaha wants to do. And if you can't use the corner speed, then you need to open the throttle more yes. to compensate yes. and then you get wheel spin. So, I yeah. mean, it's just a, all the way through the corner. Yes. They've been screwed for the mm. last two and a half years. Mm. And I think they have finally worked that out now. Um, Didn't they say at the test they had two different new spec exactly. engines? The first exactly. spec one, I guess, was a big big improvement. Or, you know, one of the things Maverick said on corner entry yeah. for sure. And then I know that they were looking forward to, I guess, second day they were running yeah. the second spec. And, and they were hoping it was going to take the improvement on corner entry, you know, the yeah. braking and, and have more acceleration. I guess maybe it didn't quite make the improvement that they wanted. But... It's a good sign. They're yeah, moving they're, in the right direction. I mean, their performance. You look at you look at the win, of course, that Maverick had, and and then you know Valentino, obviously in wet conditions, which is I guess they struggle with in seventeen. Yeah. Well, and he was so fast. At he was, as well. yeah, yeah, he was. Um, I mean, Maverick has. I think Maverick realized that the rear tire braking thing sooner than Rossi because he he around uh, Buriram he completely changed his. His bike set up to try mm. and get more load on the rear braking, which obviously isn't difficult. It's very difficult on a motorbike because yeah. obviously you know, everything goes on yeah, the front and the, the rear wants to come up in the air. But they're having to change the geometry now to try and keep some grip 
on the rear. So I don't know how they do that. I guess they have to go flatter on the bike or something because yeah, you, you know, yeah, they would just change the the the, the pitch of the bike and um, uh, so. But whatever the changes they made, we can even sometimes weight balance. You know, they they yep. can do. Um, but whatever changes they made certainly gave him more confidence, mm-hmm. and and there was there there was improvement with that. And but it, it, as we said, but you look at Valentino's performance. In, in these last couple of races certainly were were an improvement and uh and you know it's it'd be interesting to see if they can you know i was when when as we said earlier franco morbidelli uh, as soon as he jumped on the 19 bike you know he's in the top 10 and coming from the honda um and the difficulty getting on a bike and i know that feeling when you get on a bike that is that is really more forgiving and as a rider, because you're so used to being having to be in, ahead of the bike that is more difficult, then now you're getting on one where you feel like you you're ahead of it, and you can then really work together and put it in and carry more speed at this lean angle, and and coming now, you know, having ridden the Honda over the weekend and then just one day, and then he gets on this other bike, he knows exactly where where it's it's better and around a track like Valencia it would be certainly a lot easier and so we know we know they have the chassis you know we hadn't talked about the suzuki i think that's probably its strongest point but if it's just they get the engine performance there that they need to and they're going to be tough again yeah i I think they finally it took them a long time everybody's like what are you blah 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 everybody's the electronics why can't you make them better but oh hang on it's not the electronics so i think they've they've finally found their way out of the hole and and i think so long as they continue going in the right direction, I think they'll be back there next year. I really yeah. do. What's it like as a rider, though, coming into a weekend? Normally, you know exactly where you're... Well, not exactly where you're going to be, but you know roughly where you'll be on the grid, where you're going to be in the race. Yamaha, most of the year, they didn't know at all on a Friday where they're going to be on the timesheets. How, how do you approach that as a rider? Just well, you're kind of going into the Yeah, unknown. I mean, you... you you may not know ultimately where you're going to be because what what they were facing and when you face, when you're riding something that doesn't allow you to to know exactly what you need to do or you're having to as they were doing constantly chasing setup due to engine characteristic issues or electronic issues or tire compatibility issues whatever it may be so you're constantly distracted with trying to get the bike set up to where in this race pace. You know, that's what Valentino's so good at um, is is figuring that out. And what Maverick uh, struggled with was on full fuel loads and, and things of, of being able to run the pace. You know, he was strong at the end of most races, but he really struggled in the beginning. So anyway, you're, you're it's a distraction as a rider, you know. Um, what you hope is, and when you have a good bike, a bike that's that is working with you, is you have a basic basic setup, a base setup, and then you refine it for particular racetracks, depending on grip level, whether it's bumpy or not. And so you'll you'll do some suspension settings, and obviously now with electronics, you'll that will be you know certainly part of it too. But but you you kind of know where you're at, and and it's just making adjustments to make each lap easier and and also to where you can as we talk about manage the tire 
well, they, they weren't faced with that. They were always kind of lost and trying to just figure out how to get the pace. And, uh, and yeah, I think you know, also just the, the, the motivation for Valentino and, and Maverick was a problem. And you can go kind of so many races without getting anywhere and then you're putting your heart and soul into it. And then you're still not getting anywhere. And eventually you, a bit of the heart goes and a bit of the soul goes. It's kind of inevitable, really. And I, th- I think actually they both did pretty well kind of not just giving up entirely you know I think because if you're one of those guys you're expecting to fight for the podium or the win every race aren't you and if if, if every race you're fighting for fifth or sixth it kind of you know it's not what you not what you sign up for really but um, uh, this question could be a yes or no um, came in on Twitter by f- to to you I believe Faith Field team said does Valentino have another win in him let alone a 10th championship or is this season kind of just I'd certainly say if, if 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 we assume that the Yamaha is fully competitive, which is the number one thing, that's the thing that people need to understand is that all these guys pretty much ride the bikes to the technical limit of the machine and the tyres. You know, if they're having a bad result, it's not because they've been lazy that weekend or whatever. It's because the thing's not working for them for whatever reason. And Mark's probably the only one that actually rides it beyond the limit. But all the other guys are... And so, so they're bad results this year. I don't think Rossi's a worse racer now than he was last year or the year before. Um, so if if the bike is fully competitive next year, I certainly see him w- winning a race or two. I mean, you know, he nearly won Sepang. I was you know, going to say he, he Malaysia, was pretty close, you know. Malaysia, and Marky said this after the race, and and uh, you know, it's one of the things that uh, Mark does a great job of is is the way that he talks about. Like he he didn't need to say this, but he, he said, "Listen, I was riding on the edge, and Valentino was. He crashed." But any of us could do that, you know, and so because, you know, it was it was unfortunate and it would have been and Val- Valentino had done everything he needed to do. And he was in that position and, and his consistency lap after lap, you know, was, yeah, was, was basically un- perfect. It was unreal, wasn't yeah, it? And, exactly. and, and, so, and, and, and physically, yeah, probably one of the, if not the most demanding race of the year. It's Absolutely. 30, 35 degrees. Right. It's 40, 50 percent humidity. Yeah, exactly. 40 years old. <laughs> yeah, he's 30. He's 40 in February, isn't he? Yeah. So people say, oh, he's past it. He, he doesn't want it anymore. He's not physically strong <laughs> enough. Yeah. That's, that's not nonsense. True at all. It's yeah, nonsense. As long as he, yeah. if he gets on, if he goes into 2019 thinking, I've got a chance of winning, he will be, he will be there, I think, for the championship. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the there's chance, so many yeah, there's variables. So many variables. And there's so many good guys there of now course, on absolutely. good bikes. You know, absolutely. If the Yamaha's good now, the Ducati will be good, the Honda will be yeah. good. So On a given day, which is exactly what Malaysia was, and I could see it almost from the very first lap, the way he was riding, it was like I could, just the, I could tell by just the way he was. It was a pro, you could see it. It didn't surprise me at all that he was still there with three laps to go. And, and it did surprise me he crashed, but... As Mark, like Mark said, hey, listen, I was, you know, yeah, we, I was hanging on. I was, I was just hanging on myself. So it was, it just, it can happen. And so, well, but I think my, my, my answer is if, if the championship is going to be extremely difficult, it almost would be impossible, but you never know. If it was like 15 where the weather works in his favor and there's certain things and it's, and th- those things can happen, um, you never know. He could, he could be there at the end, and depending on what happens with the other riders. But for sure, on a given day, like in Malaysia, he's going to be there and have a chance of winning. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if he can sniff the champagne kind of absolutely. thing, he's on it, you know? Sure, absolutely. I mean, and he's still, 
I mean, none of us can work out why. You know, he's 40 in a few months' time and he's still, and he's richer, richer beyond his wildest dreams. But that obviously isn't that important to him, you know? He, 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 he just loves riding a motorbike and he, and he loves winning even more, you know? So, he I mean, how he's still got that at 39 years old, I have no idea, but he well, does. He's, he's, he loves and he's he loves his Valentino and and he is that is exactly his purpose and and what he does better than anyone. The, 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 the funny thing now, of course, is he's beginning to sort of surround himself on the grid with his own riders. You know, he's got which must be really weird. You know, he's got Bagnaia there, he's got Morbidelli there now. Are there any VR forty six riders next year? I don't think. But you know, another year on, there'll be more. You know, and if he if he can just keep hanging on, yeah. he'll half the grid will be VR forty six riders. You know, so that, that's. That takes them to rookies, actually. Uh, Morbidelli was best rookie, I believe. Uh, he's not a, not a rookie. Oh, oh, this year, right? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah he was, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll save next year. Sorry, in, yeah, yeah, in sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get, I'll get confused. <laughs> um, was he the best rookie or this year? Or was, does the table lie in that respect, do you think? Um, no, I think. I, I was impressed with the step up that Tito made. It's unfortunate what happened to Tito and, and um, where he got knocked out for the season. And obviously not a rookie, but, but, but the, I think, um, I think Franco, yes. I think Franco, considering what he had to work with, the Honda, and, and as we'll talk in a minute about the test, I guess we'll talk in a minute about the test. <laughs> um, but I, the improve, you know, what he was able to do on the bike um, and not every time, you know, I think that maybe sometimes there was some disappointment even, you know, people expect him to do better maybe, but, but I, I thought he did go to overall, yeah. you know. Yeah, I, I think he did amazingly yeah. well because he was on a 2017 Honda. Yes. Um, and uh, talking to Nakagami, who also had a 2017 Honda last year, one who was, he wasn't, he was third or fourth rookie, I think. Um, he at Valencia at the test he went from 27 bite to the 2018 bite which Cal had been riding he said wow you know that just just chassis is pretty much the same but much sweeter torque and much more top end so basically Franco was not riding you know he he didn't have one of the best bikes out there and I think he did really well to A stay on it mostly and B to you know just keep plugging away and learning because all all races they want to get ahead and, and, and it's really hard to tell a young rider just to say look calm down just learn this year and then yeah. go next for it and they're just like yeah right <laughs> you old man what do you know? you know you know what I mean they really want to get going and so I think he really held himself back a bit now because he, he realised it wasn't a super comfortable bike to ride so he just did the best he could and um, yeah he impressed me a lot um, Siren as well I mean considering that he only got the ride at mid-February yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, he impressed yeah. me a lot. Yeah. And I think was Morbidelli kind of held back a little bit by the expectations of how good he was in Moto2? Uh, was, I don't think so, no. I think, I think he's a clever... The thing is, nowadays, they're all clever guys, and, and they've all got clever people around them. Well, most of them have, and he's got Valentino on it beside. And, he, and, you know, Valentino is like a mentor to all these guys, and he basically, he's just there to say, look, I did this wrong, I did that wrong just so you know you know and um and they'll go okay you know so so to have him there they go to speak to him every night in his motorhome i mean you know yeah 
he's got the best teacher in the world there, you know. Yeah. Yep. And of the independents, obviously Cal had his accident, which ironically came after one of his best results of the year. Um, How do you rate his season? Good. I, I thought he, well, again, because they, ha they had that big step up in horsepower. He had the factory bike. So he had the big step up in torque and horsepower, and that made all the difference. You didn't, you know, it still wasn't, the Honda is still a bike that you have to ride aggressively to get the best out of it, but that's how Cal rides. You know, he's a very aggressive rider. He's kind of kind of like Mark in a way. Um, so I think he he did great. And, you know, he made a few mistakes, um, as he does. But at the, he, towards the end of the year, he seemed to get into a really good groove, yeah. you know, and, and wow, it was just very very sad and that wasn't his fault that crash you know he coming out you're coming down the start finish straight at Phillip Island at 200 miles an hour and there's, there's not grandstand but there's all the banking where the spectators stand and then you come down towards turn one and the banking ends and the wind's coming at you and you tip it into the first corner at 130 miles an hour and the wind just takes your front wheel away and that's yeah. why he crashed so you know he really didn't deserve it and and it was a bad break and um yeah, spoiled, because I, I, he just seemed to have got into a really good groove. And I think he would have kept, you know, maybe not on the podium every race, but fourth, fifth, you know, that's pretty good. I would think, I would, to me, the biggest improvement, uh, and I agree with Matt, is, is Kyle's consistency, is every week he was right there. And, and not only in the race, but his speed, his outright speed. He's, he was battling for the front row. And um, Cal is, is a workman type rider and he definitely right he is and I like Alex Barrels was you know where he could win a race and he is going to win one and it, but he's, he just he pushes and he, he's aggressive and and he obviously has a very good um, situation where he has with the Honda team and and uh, helping doing some development work and things and and so um it'll be I'm you know main mo most important thing for him is obviously getting over this injury yeah, and getting back and, and healthy and and getting back out there next season. And I, I would expect him to pick right up where he left off, really. Yeah, he's about as hard as they come, Yeah, Cal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And then Zarko, kind of mixed here. Uh, you were, I'm not sure if it was critical, but said that he was, his mind had kind of drifted off a bit mid-season. Yeah, I, I think, and I've seen this before, and Freddie would have seen this before, you see a rider, they, they kind of, you know, somebody called him the warrior monk and he's he's lived a very, basically his mentor and manager and everything, basically he's lived with him for the last five, six years and he basically, you know, he's kind of, it's almost like he's been at boarding school, kind of, you know, sort of, um, this is what you're going to do, da, 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 da. And as is the case, there's a time where you need to fly the nest, isn't there, you know, and, and so he... I think he kind of split up with his manager and so on, and we're not, not going to work together again. Um, and and I think also maybe I could be wrong, but I I know my career was kind of like that. But I I remember, you know, there was a, for several years I didn't really care much about hurting myself, you know, because I'd come from nothing and didn't matter, you know. And then I started doing all right and da da da, -da and you'd go on nice holidays with your girlfriend and you life would start being nice you know and you think wow I don't want to hurt myself you know what I mean and 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 I I, I don't know that but I, it just sort of struck a little bit of a chord because I'd you know you follow people on social media and so on you see what they're up to and you're going 
you look like you might have lost a little bit of focus there. You know, you seem to be, hmm, you know, there's more, no pictures of you down the gym anymore. It's pictures of you kind of, uh, yeah, whatever. But I, I could be wrong. But then somebody did say that he always has a mid-season slump, which is really weird. He did it in Mona too. You know, strong results in the middle of the season, has a slump, strong results at the end. And he did that this year. So, you know, maybe I was completely wrong. Um, Just Zarko being Zarko. Jizako being yeah, Zarko, exactly, maybe. exactly. Yeah, and and it'll be interesting because he's taking the opposite journey that Morbidelli's taken. You know, he's going gone from a very friendly Yamaha yes. to an RC sixteen KTM, which is is about as hot, close as to the Honda as you can get. You yeah. know, and and you're going to have to work very different to get the lap time. It's just a completely way of getting a different way of getting. Would you say that? Yeah. Oh, yes. And and I think it's. It's a a harsh wake up call for him in these the two days at Valencia, and you know coming from a controlled situation, and I'd heard the same thing that he he really lived, you know he had the manager and things. It was exactly what you said, and and you it, it it's going to be interesting because you see a lot of riders that come along that show a lot of potential especially lower levels and then they they graduate up and then you get into the to the top level where ability levels are very close and what separates and makes people winners and i'm not talking about just champions but just race winners is the 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 mental side of it you know um and some sometimes you'll have someone be a winner but you know, on, on a, it just goes their way that, that day. But to consistently do it, um, even if they were world champions, is a, it's a different um, task. And I'm, I'm still interested to see um, if he could, has that, that strength. And it is a strength that is required at, at, the, at the very top level. And, and, and the, the KTM ride is going to test him. Because um, there's a lot of expectation, uh, him coming into that program. And, and I watched him walk in the truck um, that first day and he had his helmet back. And there was a clip of it. And um, I'm not sure if I, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see if he's up to that. Help him develop the bike, take it to the next level, what it's going to take effort-wise a bike that's difficult like that uh, each and every week. Going well, back, that's yeah. what, you know, makes Mark not just a great champion, but an ex- because he knows what he faces. And and have been in that situation where, you know, the crew says as good as it gets, and you know the only way you're going to win the next day is you're going to have to do something extra. And so does he have that inside him? Be interesting to see. And it's so close now that I, I don't think most people understand mental intensity that these guys bring to every race and that you you have to be you can't be 99% anymore you can't even be 99.5% anymore you've got to be 100% mentally focused willing to lay it on the line how you work how you take your risks how you everything has to be 100% now, now which of us turns up you know if you've got a normal job who turns up for work 100% every day of their life you just don't do you but these guys have to that they, they and that is an incredibly difficult thing to do especially when you're doing something that's basically quite dangerous you know it's incredibly diff- difficult to do and, and and goes back to sort of guys like Barros 
you know, he used to win a couple of races here, win a race there. And, and Crevilla, you know, they, they, they were... They didn't have what Mick had, you know. He would just turn up at every race, bang, 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 bang. And he was like a... He was a scary machine, you know. He really was at a at a race, you know. He he he. You, had you did not to speak to Mick yeah. unless you had to at a race because he would bite your head off, you know. And because he was so in that zone, he didn't want anybody, you know. He was fantastic to watch if a journalist asked him a stupid question. He just he just pretty much literally bit their head off, you know. He just it was w- wonderful to watch actually. Yeah, it was good. I think we've just ticked over the hour, so we better wrap up KTM Aprilia and Suzuki okay. s- somehow quickly, and then also next year. Um, you've said recently that you think KTM will make the biggest leap forward. I guess they've got to make the biggest leap forward, and next year could be well, another. Yeah, best, I, best you, I, I, I would think. I, I expected him actually to make a little better, more improvement uh, this year. But in their defense, they also had some things that worked against them. Had the riders get hurt, test rider get got hurt. Um, and, and that certainly, I think, well, obviously, with Danny Petrosa coming on board to be a test rider, they're in a good position to make some improvements over this next year that should be interesting to see. And and with with Paul, you know, one of the great things about the race on Sunday was his first uh, podium and KTM's first podium um, in tricky conditions. But still, you know, they, they got third. So that that's inspiring for the team. But I would have to say they're going to make the improvements. The Suzuki, real quick, the Suzuki just continued to improve. And, and you watch Alec Renz. And Alex, you know, I put riders in different categories of, of talking potential and getting the job done. And Alex gets the job done, doesn't he? he he's kind I mean, of almost stealth. Isn't yes. he? You barely notice he's yeah, there. Yeah, but on sun, you do on Sunday yeah. afternoons. He's yeah. leading the race. But, but, yeah, but exactly. he kind of, you never see him pull you know. a, a dangerous maneuver. No. He never says anything stupid. You never see him on you, Friday, Harley. You, bar- you yeah. barely notice him. Yeah. And then, oh, oh, there he is. On Sunday, he's right but, there. But that yeah. bike, you know, when Alicia Spargo rode it, first in 2015 2016 he's, he's he gave it the best compliment i think you can give a race bike he said it steers and handles like a 250 yeah. you know it's yeah. it, and you can see it's such a neat beautiful yes. little machine yeah. and all they've lacked is power, power. and and, and yeah. apparently the n- new engine they have that guintoli's been testing for the last few months has that top end that they need and and i think well marquez had already said it that he thinks they'll be there for in the championship battle this year yeah next year. i do too I aprilia do. they took a huge step back this year they kind of completely redesi- redesigned the bike which kind of nowadays tends well it's always been a bad it's like putting the petrol tank under the let's mm. put the petrol tank under the engine they completely re- redesigned the bike and it was disaster no traction no couldn't get heat into the tires and then they completely came up with this lab bike for the last three races which is a kind of 2017 2018 2019 hybrid and suddenly yeah. they're back on the They've kind of fixed. They've kind of found a direction again. So I, I, I think you know, they're the smallest team, tiny compared to the other, yeah. the biggest factories. So, but I think, I, well, I hope. And now they've got two, you know, they've got they've got their best rider lineup as well. So I think, I think, you know, I hope they'll be closer next year. I think. Well, Noni did be. say, didn't he say uh, after the test on Tuesday that or Monday he was surprised the bike was pretty good and he comes obviously from the Suzuki so that's a that's a that's actually not a good compliment. No, I think they've kind of and the Pre is always I've always thought the the their their super bike when especially when Max was running and I've ridden it. I, I said before I did a test with a bunch of big bikes and I I loved riding their Pre. It was the best handling. And so if they can bring some of that DNA and, and, and their, their MotoGP bike, 
they'll be right there. You know, at least have a decent bike. Is is Ian only the right man to get that out of, out yeah, of the I bike? Think he, I think Ian only's a great rider. Um, you know, he needs to work on a few things like looking after the tyres because, you know, you see him going very fast at the start of the race and then going backwards, So, which is something they've all had to work on with the Michelin. It's just, and also with the unified software, not having very good traction control is, is just relearning, just being super, super smooth with the right. throttle. So uh, I, I think he's great. And, and as a character, I like him as well. I, I find him, you know, you need, you need that full range and that's why, where MotoGP is so lucky. It's got so, the full range of characters from Ian Oney, the sort of, wannabe gangster kind of guy and you know and I actually like him you know because he's kind of funny yes. you know um, but Suzuki right to drop him though do you think well D- Dave even said I think yeah if he would have had a performance oh he if he had the sorry I know uh, watching watching Matt I know <laughs> yeah, I said, sorry, I'm no it's microphone. not Matt <laughs> not, not pointing fingers <laughs> Um, that if he would have had the performance right that he had, obviously from mid-season on, or this, they wouldn't have. And it's it's part of which I know we don't have time to talk about is part of what we talk about making the buy a rider decision so early. Yeah, yeah, it just got stupid. This yeah, exactly. Stupid. It was you just a see mass panic. Everyone yeah, was like, "My God, exactly. I've got to sign somebody now, otherwise exactly. I'm going to be left without mm-hmm. anyone." So yeah. it kind of, you know. Yeah. Uh, if we're almost, if we have another question. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we can. We can. Alan, no, I was going to say, don't you agree that MotoGP and the whole championship talking about is as, it's as good as it gets now. You know, it's it's it as far as motorsports championships, and I know we have a lot of viewers that watch different ones, um, but it's it's they've yeah, done a great just, job, it's just, and it's it's really good personality wise equipment wise without question you know i was at valencia and watching watching the from race control and i was watching the race and it, it just it kind of made me feel like this sense of pride that this championship that i first became involved with over 30 years ago and um 30 plus years obviously and and has really grown to the point and is producing what matters which is that action on sunday yeah. afternoon they made at the all the level. right calls absolutely with the technical rules which yeah. uh, i mean i don't really follow formula one but it seems that they made a lot of wrong calls with formula with rules and, and technical rules are very tricky things to work out because you you get the uh, unintended rule of unintended consequences where you make a rule to stop that to and and it actually mm. creates a whole different problem much bigger than the than the problem but i think so i think uh dorna Corrado Ceccanelli, Mike Webb, uh, Danny Aldridge, all those guys who've been coming up with the rules have done a great job. And they've just been, gen- over the last 10 years, gradually putting them in place. Yes. And, and it's taken until the last couple of years to get everything right. Yeah. I said so the factories also have a, deserve a bit of credit. It's also, they're all pushing in the same direction, which you can't say the same in Formula the, One. The, uh, yeah. Well, they're all pulling in the same. In what way, technically or, or philosophy? With uh, yeah, I think they're they at least willing. They're they're the willing the to sport. work yeah. for the good of the sport. Yeah, yeah. I exactly. think they all realise they're in it together. Yes. Yeah. Which, I mean, I mean, which is rare it, in most sports. It, it, it could, yeah. I mean, it can. I think in the MSMA meetings, it can get pretty feisty. You know, because they're all fighting their own corners, obviously. Um, but I think, and I think, may, I think Dawn have also worked very hard to impress this upon them. That you know that they're there to ho- help with the show, not just to mm. do their own thing. You know yes. they're actually part of a show. They're not just there to do do their own development. Do blah blah blah. They're actually got to be create help create this big thing. 
and the, the show is good as well, isn't it? Dawn, what Dawn have done for fans from uh, the racing is just yeah, and and you know I think everything can always get better but I mean I think the racing is as close as you want it to be now I yes. actually don't think you want to make it any closer because yeah. we've seen some incidents already where you know you've got big gangs of riders riding together at very mm. high speed and if you've ever been in somebody's slipstream at 200 miles an hour it's pretty scary and you don't really have a lot of control over your motorcycle do you mm. you know you're getting buffeted around and you know so that thing that happened with Zarco and Marquez at uh, at uh, Phillip Island that sort of showed that what can happen and you know that ended well but I think people have to be quite wary that we don't want to keep making it so well, closer it, it's good enough you know but the thing is is that if you are going to make it closer is you also you do other things and you, st- and you and you stay on top of which they're doing Dorna and Erda and, and even the FIM and, and it's all thinking in that direction about the importance of preventative measures and the safety aspect of it and and um and it's it's a good good team of of people. I think um, what BT Sport have done this year is the 360 camera on the back. I think a couple of times we've been on Zarko's bike. That gives you a real visceral kind of sensation of just how close these things are. And a lot of the coverage that is around now, BT Sport's coverage is really good and people can't help yeah. but get involved. We have more people commenting on the website saying they're leaving Formula 1 more so to yeah. watch MotoGP. I think on the, um, on the Dorna site, I mean, I use that a lot, the MotoGP.com feed, because I can, you know, if I'm writing a story and I'm thinking, so I need to just check what happened there. So you, and you could just go back to that, but, you know, two races ago or whatever, bang, you're straight there. And the, and they, every race, they do a first lap from multi on boards, which is just, you know, because people don't realise how vicious it is. You know, these guys are being really nasty to each other. You know, they're not just riding their mo- motorbikes around in circles. They are being, they're doing some pretty heavy stuff to each other you know and 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 when you watch that multi on board and you just see and sort of handlebar levers you know and everything tangling up you that's pretty scary you know yeah. it was a lot that i i would say uh, it looks worse than it actually is <laughs> also, you know but you know it's 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 great and and you have what what a rider wants, and this is the other thing that I think they've done a, a, a good job, is giving the teams and the the support of the teams, which is the IRTA, which is the International Rate Team Association, and the group of 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 team owners, the support to be able to give the riders the tools they need and and the equipment. If you look just a few years ago, and that improvement, uh, you got to take your hat off with to them, and they've done well, a, a great job. A lot down to Mike Trimby and Erta arguing the case of the lower teams. Yes, and basically, MotoGP has done the opposite to what Formula One and the Premier League have done. Instead of giving all the money to the guys at the front mm-hmm. who don't really need it is taking some of that money and giving it to the guys at the back to try and bring them closer to the front and then that makes the racing better you know it's it's not right. hard to work out but right. it, they've actually done the the abnormal thing and and that's that's one of the reasons why the lower teams are suddenly apart from the technical rules they've also got the money to get to get a bit better you know? yes yes exactly and 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 that is that is an important part about the you know strength and depth of field and and uh, they understand that, and they've done a great job. Yeah. And of course, your 
next year going to be every rider's best friend <laughs> <laughs> well it's it's why it's why we was talking about the the closeness of the racing yeah uh, i'll be the fim moto gp stewards panel chairman sounds like a a, a mouthful and a, and a really uh important but he's, he's yeah. gonna be that freddie's gonna be the, like the kind of head the headmaster and he's gonna wear <laughs> and yeah. he's gonna call these 15 year old 16 year old kids into his yeah. into his headmaster's room and uh well i hope educate rather than sort of shouting that yes freddie doesn't really do shouting so he'll hopefully which a lot of other ex-riders would they would just bring the riders in and say don't do that again oh you know but freddie will sit down and said or say you know you shouldn't do this again because blah 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 blah, blah. Yeah, you know and, exactly. and, and that's to me how you got to deal with these kids you know well, well with any kids in fact you yeah know. and they're professionals and <laughs> and and riders of of all levels and and my first weekend i'll be starting obviously at qatar the first next year and i am looking forward to it and it's a, it's a privilege to be asked to be a part of of the championship that, that played such a important part of my life and and I had no idea that they were considering. I got a call from Mike Trimby, and 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 he asked, and and I just thought about it for a short period of time or a day or so. And and it, my thought was only, what could I bring, and what would I do, and in what ways? Because what I feel like is is it's it's an it's an incredible championship, and the racing's only going to get closer. And and you know the goal is is to go in and 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 to talk about preventative things. To, to make to help them understand why that it is a privilege to be a part of this championship and and we all are invested in that and 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 that's why when I say about my respect for what Dorna the and Erda and and the the teams have done is because everybody wants that and uh, that was that was something we talked about when when I accepted the this this opportunity so I'm I'm looking forward to that excellent. I think we better wrap this up before Alan tells us off. Um, but we'll hopefully be able to hear all about that in the new year with this secret new event, which we'll hopefully be launching soon. <laughs> um, and we'll also be back uh, just before the season, probably to have a preview of the season. So it gives you a few months to decide if Marquez is going to win it again. Um, so we will be back on the Most Bought podcast soon with a Formula One podcast, hopefully, uh, looking back on the season. Um, so we will see you then. Thanks, Freddie. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Thank Alan. You. Thank you.